1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to do what one of my good friends said. I'm going to drive around town tonight. <laughs> you have any insight, you probably know what that means. That means he don't know where he's going. Well, I do. I just hope I can help get you there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 17. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again. So that means more than one time Paul made effort to get back to Thessalonica. But this is what happened. The latter portion of verse 18 said, But Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or our joy or our crown of rejoicing? Are not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Paul said that I desired to come, but something got in the way. He said, but Satan hindered us. The word hindered in the Greek uh, is actually a term that is used uh, in the realm of racing, foot racing, and it referred to somebody cutting into your lane to disrupt your stride or to disrupt your run and throw you off balance or get you out of rhythm so that you will fall out of the race. And so that's what Paul said happened to them. He hindered us. So with that in mind, I want to use as a subject tonight something that you will pick up on hopefully in a little while, but this is what I want to preach to you about tonight. So why am I not surprised? So why am I not surprised? And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I have been thinking the last few days of the wonderful blessings of the Lord that we have experienced here in the summer in revival with the Stevensons, and we are so thankful for everything that the Lord was able to accomplish in our services and such a wonderful presence of God that we experienced here around these altars and how God touched us in so many Wonderful ways and what, uh, what services that you can reflect on and you can think back to and remember in days to come. And then the preaching. I, uh, I don't think you could hear any better preaching of the word of God than you heard over the last five weeks. And I thought Sunday night how powerfully anointed the word of God is. Listen, folks, if you had sat in my office Sunday afternoon and you listened to what was preached Sunday night, you would have said, wow, God, how did you do that? How did that man know 
what was transacting in other people's lives unless you spoke to him. I didn't talk to him. I didn't say anything to him, but he addressed specific needs that were there in that service. And not just that service, but many times over, God does that to us and for us. And I am so thankful for that. Yet, in the midst of great revival, there is often great turmoil. And that seems a contradiction. And... And sometimes, I guess the reason I want to talk to you tonight about this is because that contradiction is what breeds uh, confusion in our minds. And it is, as Paul indicated, something cuts in on us and it throws us off of our stride. Right when we're getting to where we're really making headway, something cuts in And we're stumbling around trying to figure out what in the world just happened. And so it is. Some of the most uh, stinging blows in life often come during times of great revival and a great blessing. At the same time, there is the contradiction of confusion, our Greatest disappointments often come on the heels of our greatest victories. While we're in the midst of celebrating something that God has done, there is a blow that comes. People walk away from us. People turn against us or people abandon us or they falsely accuse us of things and and, uh, so forth. How, How many of us have been Uh, recipients of such things in this life and even in the last few weeks in the midst of revival. I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of you had to deal with some discouraging thing in the midst of revival? Don't raise your hand. Just I know you're there because I understand humanity and I understand where we are as a people And in the midst of God blessing and moving, sometimes we are floored by things and events that happen. And so tonight I have come to remind you that any worthy effort that you make toward God is going to be opposed. And God dropped this in my heart and I want to keep it etched in my mind, but there is never a revival without a rival. You will never experience a sovereign move of God where there is not also an opposing force that tries to bring confusion. You're not going to experience revival without a rival. Any worthwhile goal in your life or in a church will always find opposition. And you don't have to be surprised by that. You just have to understand that. And what will surprise you sometimes is where that opposition comes from. The devil isn't picky over who he chooses to bring confusion into your life. He'll use your best friend. He'll use somebody that's sitting across the pew from you that's become carnal and cold and, and, and hath backslid in their spirit. And he will put 
uh, an impression or, or bring them to do something that causes trouble and creates confusion. And when they do that, you look around and you think, what happened to revival? Revival's still here. Everybody say that. Revival's still here. Amen. So why, why so much attention? Why so much opposition? The church in Thessalonica in the text in which we read was a test case for Christianity in the European world. When the Lord began to deal with Paul to go to uh, Thessalonica. Paul had other things in mind. Acts chapter 15, he said that he had wanted to go to Bethia and uh, there was another place that he had on his agenda, but God interrupted his agenda and said, no, I have another plan for you. And in the night, there was a vision and he saw a man from Macedonia and he said, would you come over and be with us and would you come over and preach to us and so Paul's plans were changed and they were rearranged and so he goes into Thessalonica now Thessalonica was not just another city it was a powerful seaport and it was one of the few free cities in the Roman Empire which means that it was never under the rule of Roman soldiers that there was a liberty about this city because it was a crossroads of sort through the main area of town, the main street of the city led to the east and to Asia and all of the riches that were there. And if you would go west out of Macedonia or out of Thessalonica, you would go to the very seat of the Roman Empire and the, and the power of the known world at that time. And so when God calls him to this particular city, Paul is here for three weeks, three Sabbath days. That's all he has to preach the word of God to them. And you wonder, is that enough? Is that enough preaching? Was there enough demonstration? Was there enough power in those moments when I had with them to establish a church and to take root there so that the world would become possible? If they could reach Thessalonica, then they could reach Europe and the, he could reach Asia with the gospel. And so this city was a primary target on God's plan and Christianity when it would settle in there. It would be bound to settle in Asia and other parts of Europe because of all of the people that came and went through Thessalonica. And so Paul preached for three weeks and then there was such an uproar and there was such a, 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 a rising against what he was doing that he had to flee out of Thessalonica and he had to go to another place for safety, for safekeeping. And, and he was still there in his spirit. And so when we read here in Thessalonica that he wanted to go there, you're reading the desire of a man who has been forced to leave sooner than he wanted to. And he's wanting to get back because there's a desire there. The work that God had begun, the Holy Ghost that, that had worked in that city and, and to get it down rooted and so that it would be a, a beacon and a light for that whole European continent. It was so very important to him 
but all of that happened in the midst of great opposition and great adversity. All of that happened in the midst of great trouble. Paul said, I wanted to come to you, but I was hindered. I, 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 was, I was cut in on. Something happened. The enemy rose up in such a way that I was unable to get back in the time frame in which I wanted. When we think about being hindered, we are thinking in terms of doubt and difficulties and distraction that are thrown in the way. The hinderer inspires indifference when there ought to be enthusiasm. The hinderer influences men to prefer the status quo rather than advancement. The hinderer encourages everybody to be extra cautious that we can't be too overwhelmed by this we we need to we, we need to make sure we check our minds and our emotion the hinderer leads to criticism and ridicule to what is good and what is godly and the hinderer will even move men to open antagonism to what is good he suggests difficulties and he magnifies obstacles and he says you can't and it won't happen. And that was the atmosphere in which Paul had to operate. And yet in spite of the opposition, the church was established. It became one of the strongest churches of the New Testament age. It was powerful in its reach and its scope. All because Paul understood that an enemy could hinder him, but he could not stop him. I just came tonight to tell Greater Life Church, whatever hindrances you have run into over the last few days or the last month, they are only that. They are hindrances, but they cannot stop what God has started in your life. They cannot stop what God has purposed to come to pass. It is a simple fact tonight that Satan does not want you and I to succeed in life. Have you ever considered the fact that he never fights you if you're planning to quit? He never fights you if you're planning to do wrong? He never fights you if you are trying to be immoral? He never fights you when you want to live carelessly or loosely. He doesn't oppose you when you want to cheat or lie or steal. But when you make up in your mind, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know what? I've decided I'm going to reconsecrate myself to God. And I'm going to give myself to prayer. Then he rises up because he knows that if you ever get that rooted, if you ever get that rooted, there's, there's not much he can do. And so he opposes. He comes against us. Listen to me, church. I, I want to get this in your mind tonight. Listen to me carefully. Opposition comes when great opportunity is there. The devil wouldn't fight you if there wasn't opportunity, if there wasn't that privilege of advancement. People 
are saying to me sometimes uh, more than one time a week, Brother Hughes, I am having the battle of my life. I have never felt such pressure on me or my family. I have never been under such duress or stress or I've not felt an attack like I have. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. A great opportunity is before you and the devil doesn't want you to experience that. He doesn't want you to have that and so he creates all of this secondary noise and confusion so he can throw you off your stride. But I've come to remind you tonight, church, that opportunity awaits in the midst of opposition. You and I have to realize that the fulfillment of our best and highest purpose is not going to be without hindrances. Whether it is our, uh, uh, our personal life or whether it is the church. Our efforts as a church or our efforts in our daily walk with God, they are not going to come without some kind of hindrance. It's going to happen. You are never going to get by in life without feeling that opposition. Think it not strange, he said, when you fall into divers' temptation, when there are many pressures that come from many directions, don't think something has gone wrong. Don't think that you are out of the will of God. He said, just wake up and realize there must be a great breakthrough around here somewhere. God must have me on the verge of the greatest victory of my life and my family. Amen. Hindering can only do that, just hinder you. It cannot stop you. Don't ever expect success without a little noise in your life. Amen. Don't expect success without a little noise in your life. Somehow there's going to be something that comes to disturb and it's all for the purpose of turning your attention from what you need to remain focused on. Desires can be frustrated, but they cannot be stopped. They, they cannot be held down. My desire might be frustrated tonight, but it cannot be silenced if I hold on to it. And what Paul knew and what he was trying to teach you and I is that no matter what the devil does, you have to keep doing what God called you to do no matter how much he fights and no matter how hard it is. If you keep doing what God called you to do, God will give you victory. Amen. You've got to focus on the object, not on the opposition. Amen. You've got to keep your eyes on the goal and not... That spirit that fights you. When someone comes and uh, they rain on your parade, just understand what else was it supposed to be like. So why am I not surprised? Amen. So why am I not surprised that after a great Sunday night service, a pastor often gets the worst news so why is it, why, why am I not surprised that when you have come to an altar 
and you have poured your heart out to God and you turn and go home, you walk into the face of some of the ugliest Spirits, and I don't mean in your home, but on your way home, you walk into the face of some of the ugliest spirits. Some of the ugliest devils show their head right in the midst of your greatest victory. So why am I not surprised that even after five weeks of revival, the devil's still fighting some of us. He's still trying to create confusion and throw you. I'm not surprised at that. So what I've come to tell you is quit worrying about what the devil is doing and get your mind back on what God's doing. Quit being hung up on what somebody puts on Facebook or what they put out on an email or what somebody does in a letter and get your eyes back on what God's been doing and what God's been saying. That's what you need to focus on. Man, praise God. So why am I not surprised? Instead of being discouraged tonight, I'm encouraged. Amen. Brother, you've got a weird mind. I, I may have, but I've learned it from the word of God that when the devil comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord is gonna lift up a standard against him. The weapons that are formed against me shall not prosper. That's what I hang on to tonight. And that's what I live by. Not what somebody says that knocks the props out from under me. Not what somebody says that takes the wind out of me. Not what somebody says to discourage me. What I want to keep my eyes focused on is that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What I want to keep my mind focused on is that if God be for us, who can be against us? What I want to keep praising him about is that if the Lord is on my side, nothing shall be impossible with him. Nothing is impossible when God is involved. Hallelujah. So why am I saying all of this? So you will keep your eyes on the goal and not the distraction. So that you'll keep pursuing revival for yourself and for your family and not listen to all the noise and the clamor. So you will keep pursuing God's purpose. Folks, if, he, if the devil would go after the very Lord himself in a time of weakness, he's going to come after you and I. Amen. And you know what? I have found my greatest weakness is after my greatest victories. Because I am more prone to let my guard down and not be as careful. And so he often comes in those moments and he plants a seed or a question or a doubt or, or something is said or something is done that that upsets you and disturbs you. And you know what? I'm tired of being disturbed like that. You know what? Either God's word works or it doesn't work, folks. And the word brings peace. It does not bring confusion. So why am I not surprised that some of us are fighting our greatest battles right now? Because opposition means opportunity is greater than it's ever been before. 
Amen. That's what it means. Ladies, listen to me. I challenge you to pray more than you've ever prayed. I challenge you to let to, to ask God to use the means that God is using right now to inspire you to pray like you've never prayed. Men, let me talk to you tonight. You know what Greater Life Church needs? It needs some spiritual men who will stand up and say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be here no matter what happens. We're going all the way. You know what this church needs? It needs young couples who will get serious about living for God and quit playing around. Amen. We need to quit letting the hindrances sabotage our lives and steal our joy and take our, our peace away and hurt our efforts. It's good to know that Satan may be able to frustrate me, but he cannot stop me. Amen. He may hinder me, but he cannot hold me. He may put obstacles in my way, but he cannot do away with the way. Amen. He may be able to limit me, but he cannot eliminate me. I'm still here. Hallelujah. Ah, uh, yes, I'm still, I'm going to be here Sunday morning too. I'm going to walk in, I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to lift my voice and I'm going to do my best to help create an atmosphere where the Holy Ghost can come, where people can be ministered to, where healing can happen, where deliverance can come and I'm going to be here Sunday night and do it all over again. Why? Because I believe greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and I believe if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen, 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 amen. He may move me, but he cannot remove me. Amen. So how do you deal with hindrances? Number one, recognize them for what they are. A hindrance. Just an effort to throw you off your stride. Number two, keep going. Hindrance or no hindrance. Amen. Amen. Stumble if you do, stumble, but get back on your feet and keep going. No need to sit around in the mully grub. That's why the devil rejoices so many times is because when he does try to hinder us and we fall over on the road, we're down for the count. We got to have another 10-week revival before we can be revived and got back on our feet. You know what? Get up. Get back up, get back in your lane, get back in your pace. He can't stop you. If he could, he would have already done it. All he can do is hinder you. And he'll do his best, but he's not good enough to stop you unless you quit. Stand up against him and be the man or the woman of God that he, you have been called to be. Rejoice in the midst of your adversity. You know what I think really frustrates the devil more than anything? If he's here tonight, I hope he's not, but if he is, you know what frustrates him the most? Is to see you in spite of everything he has tried against you. To lift your hands and worship the Lord anyway. <laughs> 
after every coming trick, after every coming device, after everything that he can pull out of his arsenal, and here you are, you might be wounded, you may be hurt, you may be crippled, you may be limping, you may have a black eye, you may have a broke limb, but when you walk in the doors, you lift your hands and say, God, I thank you, I'm still here. I praise you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness and your grace. And I just want you to know, no matter what happens, I'm never going to stop praising you. I'm never going to stop praising you. Amen. You need to learn how to feed your faith and your courage, not your fears. Consider what you lose if you don't persist. Think about what Paul would have lost, what we would have lost if Paul had allowed whatever it was that got in the way to keep him from fulfilling the call that God had put upon him to reach Thessalonica and to reach Europe and the world. You've got to keep going, church. There's a family that's waiting on you. There's a neighbor that's counting on you. There's a friend that's waiting. There's somebody down the road that you're going to run into in a day or two that's going to need you to stay faithful. They're going to need you to keep going. They don't need you giving up now. They don't need you turning back now. There is a revival that God's sending to this church and there are going to be numbers of people that are going to walk through our door that's going to blow our mind. But whatever the case may be, you've got to keep going for that to happen. You can't stop now and you can't let anything get between you and God's purpose for your life. Amen. I'm going to close. I'm through driving. But you need to remember that our help is greater than our hinderer. Amen. I said our helper is greater than our hinderer. Amen. Praise God. So why am I not surprised? That great opposition has come because I know that great opportunity awaits this church. Amen. I know that great opportunity awaits this community. I know that revival is here. Amen. I know that revival is here. Praise God. I do. I know revival's here. Praise God. You said, Brother Hughes, sometimes I'm surprised at all the things that you say from that pulpit. Why? I'm not surprised at all the things people say on their blogs or their spots. (laughs) I just have a bigger audience maybe than some of them, but I'm going to say it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? This is his church. This isn't my church. It's not about me. It's about him. And you know what? We're going to have revival and we're going to see this church grow. I hate, if it handicaps every devil in hell. Amen. Praise God. So I'm not surprised tonight at whatever you've been fighting. Don't come in here punch drunk and say, Oh, brother, you, I don't know. I don't understand what's going on. 
I do. I do. We're in the midst of a great breakthrough, church. Or the devil wouldn't be fighting you as hard as he's fighting you. There wouldn't be as much confusion in the world if we weren't on the verge of a great breakthrough. You know, I've heard it all of my life about a great falling away, and I I realize that there has been that. But I also read in Joel that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I read about a latter house that will be greater than the former house. That tells me that there's going to be something better in the end than there was in the beginning. And folks, it was pretty awesome in the beginning. My Bible tells me that at evening time, when everybody's ready to fold the tent and go to bed, the Bible said there shall be light at evening time. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Revival, 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 revival. It's in the atmosphere. It's in the heart. It's in the mind. That's what I want to keep my mind on. That's what I want to keep my efforts toward. That's what I want to keep reaching for in spite of everything the devil can throw against us. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for every trial, every every hill that I've had to climb, every valley I've had to walk through because it has brought me closer to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for every adversity because every adversity has advanced me in my pursuit of him. Just don't ever lose sight of who it is you're serving. Amen. God is in control tonight. Say that with me. God is in control. Satan may hinder, but he cannot stop. And the revival that broke out in Thessalonica soon spread to other cities. Athens, Rome, and even to the known world at that time, revival came. So much so that within the first hundred years of the church, Christianity that had been birthed in a manger was known around the world. Amen. And it happened in the face of great opposition. Praise God. But great revival came. Think it not strange, the fiery darts, the fiery trials. Hallelujah. Revival, say it with me, revival. My family, my home, my community, my neighborhood, revival. Every Sunday school class, every youth function, every young marriage social, every 
Silver Tones meeting revival. Amen. Revival. Miracles, power, healing, God bringing together families that have been torn by strife. God bringing together people that have been separated by differences. Revival. God bringing the wayward home. God turning the backslider and bringing them back. God awakening the sinner to the emptiness of their life and bringing you in contact with them so that they can find out there's still hope. Amen. There's still hope. I wonder how many people right now are waiting on you to keep slogging through whatever you're going through so you can get to where they are. I wonder if there's somebody on the job tomorrow that's counting on you showing up with a smile on your face saying, God's been good to me. Amen. Not coming in griping and complaining and belly aching about what's wrong at home and how things are not working out financially. Man, praise God. So why am I not surprised that there's great opposition and there's great trouble? Because there's great revival and there's great opportunity. It's here, right in our midst right now. We ought to thank God for that right now. Hey, listen, folks, your kids are on the verge of coming home. Your, your family's on the verge of being renewed. Come on, let's praise him right now. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Lord. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. My God, I love you today. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and just tell them what I just preached. So why am I not surprised?